The Wicked Smart Sports Guide is brought to you by SunMaxBatteries.com, the go-to website for all your battery needs. SunMax Batteries carries a full line of super heavy-duty ultra-alkaline lithium and button cell batteries. SunMax Batteries compares in quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, SunMax Batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. Flashlights, remote controls, gaming controls, headphones, digital cameras, hearing aids, smoke lamps, whatever device you need a battery for, SunMax has the best batteries at the best price for your device. Order a 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries for only $5.99 or a 24-pack of ultra-alkaline, ideal for all kinds of gaming and high-tech devices at just $12.99. Order today and use code, code BOSTON, that's code, code BOSTON all over case at checkout and save 20% off your entire order. Once again, that's code, code BOSTON at checkout and save big today, semi-batteries.com, C-E-L-L-M-A-X-Batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. You're getting people stuff for Christmas. It's going to need batteries. You don't want to give it to them without batteries. So head over to SunMaxBatteries.com to pick it up today. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks, as always, to Dolly Dreams for the intro music. This week, we are joined by... NBA writer, NBA enthusiast, podcast host of the Bannertown podcast, everything over there from the Raptors podcast. And now I can officially say, under the Guy Boston sports umbrella, Jack Simone. Jack, the first time I can say that on the show. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's exciting. I'm hyped. Yes, I don't know if you guys you guys saw this, but we had a little bit of a deal, you know, uh, in place between Bannertown and Guy Boston sports. A little bit of a, uh, a partnership so to speak. So uh, we're very excited, very excited about that. And uh, this is the first podcast, at least I've, I've done uh, one other podcast with you. Uh, well, technically, you know, two, because I did one on your show, actually multiple times. So, but as far as on the Wicked Smart Sports, guys, we did one other before. Weren't, I, I think at that point, I think that's the, the, the moment you really sold me, Jack. That was the moment I was like, you know what, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> talk to Evan. We gotta get this guy, um, <laughs> guy under the, in, in Guy Boston Sports somehow involved, because uh, that, I appreciate yeah, I mean, that. You, you were good, Jack. I'm not gonna lie. You were good the first time. So you have a lot to live up to this time around. Thank you, thank you. Oh man, I feel the pressure. I feel the pressure. <laughs> um, but we'll start off Celtics season preview. The season starts tomorrow. Celtics start Wednesday. So a lot to get into NBA wise. And we we just wrapped up the preseason. Quite the eventful preseason. Um, a lot happened. I didn't. I, I I'd have to say the weirdest thing was the sage burning. That's the biggest thing I didn't expect. But um, you know, I'm sure it's going to be a weird NBA season as well. I think where I want to start is from the most optimistic standpoint, and we'll get more pessimistic as the show goes on, but I want to start with this thought, because I think this is the most optimistic way I can paint this season, is that this team is, this Celtics team is better than the team that beat Toronto in the playoffs last season. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, because you got to think Hayward was out. I mean, the war on Tice is still going to be a thing, but at least there's Thompson now who's better on defense than Cantor is. And then if you factor in the fact that I would argue Pritchard and Neesmith are, is better depth than Langford, who actually Langford was out at that point. Eh, he was like, he was a mess. Um, and then Teague, obviously. So I would tend to agree with that statement as long as, or once Kemba's healthy, I would agree with that statement. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing for this entire season is, is when and if Kemba Walker is going to be healthy. Um, and... Of course, I, that, that I was factoring into that what, what I was saying, too. Certainly, the team that we're going to see opening night is not better than that team, although Kemba was banged up in the playoffs, too. And that's, I mean, the whole season, to me, is riding on that. There's a huge difference between having a big three 
and just two guys and like no one else. Because it's one thing when you know you're the Clippers last year, right? Where yeah, you have two guys, but you're so deep, and you're, you're the or you're the Nets, and yeah, you only have Kyrie and Kim Durant, but you're so deep beyond that. The Celtics don't have that depth. They need the big three. So having Kemba Walker putting up 20 points per game, that's going to be important. Like they need what they had last year, even a slight improvement upon that, where they had Tatum, Brown, and Kemba all scoring over 20. And I, I mean, that, that is a big ask, because I think, if I'm not mistaken, they were the first team to do that since, or in the Eastern Conference, to do that since, I think, the Sixers back in the 80s. So, you know, it's it's a tall task for those guys, and I'm, I'm it's tough not to be pessimistic about Kemba Walker's health, but you have to hope that maybe it's being overblown, and he can get back, at least on a somewhat consistent basis, to being the all-star point guard that he has been throughout his career. I mean, yeah, I mean, my co-host Sam says this all the time Kemba Walker was an all-star starter last season and while I personally I don't think he's going to live up to that again when he comes back I feel like he'll still easily be able to average 20 a night I feel like Brown's gonna take over that you know secondary scoring option on the Celtics which I like although I was a bit concerned with the way the Jays played in the preseason but once Kemba comes back that's gonna be extra shooting extra ball handling extra offense extra everything on that end, which I think was something the Celtics struggled with in these two preseason games that we saw. Yeah, so so what do you want the lineup to be opening night? Because a lot has been shuffled around about that, What's what it's going to be. We've seen Devontae Green and stuff like that. I think that it's hard for me to figure out whether I want Jeff Teague to start or come off the bench because I understand the value of him coming off the bench, but he's clearly your best option if you're just only concerned about the starting lineup. Having Teague out there at point with Smart, Tatum, and Brown at wing and then having, uh, you know, Thompson or Tice down low, I guess, pick, you know, we'll get into that discussion more so later. But as far as the wing-guard combo, I think if it was up to me, I know this this totally depletes your bench, but I would just say stagger the minutes between Brown and Tatum, make sure one's out there at all times, and don't worry about the bench too much. That's always been my philosophy. I would just start Teague and Smart in the backcourt and go from there. Yeah, the, the whole whether or not Teague should start has been something I've been grappling with. My thing is, from what we saw in the preseason, obviously it's a small sample size, so you can't take everything from it. But when there was no Teague, Jalen, or Jason on the floor, it was just a mess. Like, nothing could happen. The offense had no fluidity. Everything was terrible. So it scares me a little to put Teague in the starting lineup because obviously you could stagger it after that. But having Teague off the bench seemed to be the only thing keeping the offense calm um, when the Jays went to the bench. And so after that, like, is it possible to run a lineup without Tatum, Brown, Teague, or Smart in the game? Because at that point, there's literally no ball handling on the like on the floor. Uh, like there were times when Shemi Ojale was getting the ball and handling it, like Robert Williams, Grant Williams, and all those guys are decent enough players, but they can't handle the ball. Like Peyton Pritchard's the only other one who I'd be genuinely happy with you know bringing the ball up the floor and at that point that's relying on a rookie who I do like but I, I would rather have one of those core four guys so that's the only reason that I would consider not starting Teague and that's honestly what I'm leaning towards this at this point because of that yeah I think the preseason stuff was a little bit overblown be, just because they I mean Peyton Pritchard got 20 minutes a game okay and, <laughs> you know semi Ojale got 16 minutes a game and Robert Williams got 19 that's just that stuff's not going to happen in the regular season you know so uh, you know Tatum's struggles are real but again Tatum do you know what he shot in the preseason mm, can't imagine it was very good 30 <laughs> percent from from the field and 15 percent from three Dear god okay and and Jason Jalen Brown was pretty much the same 30.8 percent from the field 16.7 percent from three almost identical 
I have a news flash for people. That's not going to be their percentages in the regular season. These guys are really good players. They're going to shoot closer to 50 and 40 than they are to 30 and 15, okay? So I get the concerns about, oh, they're struggling. What does that mean? That is like you can't play in the NBA level bad. They are not going to be that bad. And when they do actually start playing to their level, they're going to start, you know, like the Celtics aren't going to struggle as much as we saw them struggle at times in the preseason. That's just not going to be the case. So, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I think that it's very, very easy to start all of those guys and still make sure one of those guys is on the court at all times. To me, the interesting question comes with, like, who's that? Who's your next guy off the bench after you get through Teague and Smart and, you know, what, how, those, those guards that you're going to have out there? Who is that next guy? Is it Grant Williams? Is it Aaron Neesmith? Is it Semi Ojale? Is it Javante Green? Those four guys, to me, are very interesting because... They do all play that, you know, forward position, and I'm wondering who's going to rise to the top there. I want it to be Neesmith. I just don't think with Brad Stevens' history of playing rookies that it's going to be. And I think that it's if I have to, if I had to say with, think with my head instead of my heart there, it's probably going to be Grant. I mean, maybe I'm biased. I mean, my fantasy basketball team name is Gotta Love Grant. I'm a little bit of a fanboy. I'll admit it. Grant Williams is a beast. I I hope. Uh, Neesmith gets some run because he he hustles. He can rebound, which is surprising. He's got a good frame. His shot looks smooth. Um, but Grant Williams, I feel like, is going to be that next guy, if anything, because Brad trusts him. Uh, I saw a stat from Adam Taylor. Uh, Grant Williams has already played more minutes in the NBA than Robert Williams has, and it's by like 400 minutes, which is crazy. Um, so I, I like Grant Williams. I think he brings the defense. He brings the heart, which is important to Brad Stevens and the Celtics organization. They trust him. He can shoot. He showed that in the bubble. He shot the best out of any player in the bubble from three um, in the playoffs at the very least. Um, and so I, I just think Grant Williams is going to be that guy because he has that trust and he's not a rookie, even though I, I, I probably would like to see Neesmith and Pritchard. And I think they will get some run, probably Pritchard more than Neesmith at this point, which is a little weird to think. But um, I, I, if I had to guess, I think it'd be Grant. Yeah, and I said the thing about Brad Stevens not playing rookie. The only two exceptions to that were Jason Tatum and Grant Williams. And Jason mm-hmm. Tatum, of course, we know, exceptionally talented. Uh, Grant Williams, he was 21 last year. So I just turned 22 now. So he, he spent three years in college. He, he, he came out as a junior. So it was a very unique circumstance with Grant where he was a very polished, like kind of low floor, low ceiling kind of player, or high floor, low ceiling kind of player who you kind of could trust right from the jump is to be a rotational piece. A lot of these other guys, we don't necessarily know that about. And Neesmith is an interesting test case because a lot of people have brought this up. He has an NBA-ready skill. Like, he can shoot the basketball really well. So people expect him to break into the rotation right away. I'm skeptical. I just, with Brad Stevens' history of, if you look at Jalen Brown's minutes as a rookie, you look at Terry Rozier's minutes as a rookie, like you, you look at Romeo Langford, what he did as a rookie, some of these other guys that come in as rookies and just don't play right away. You know, I, I just kind of expect that they're going to do the same type of thing here with Neesmith. And, I, you know, if, if, I, if I have to go with my gut, I'm going to say he's probably not going to play as much as people want him to. Yeah, I mean, outside of, like you said, Grant, who played 15 minutes a night, which is more than I thought it was, and then Tatum Smart was the last rookie to get real minutes. He played 27 minutes a night his rookie season. So I just Googled that. I don't I don't randomly know facts off the top of my head. Um, but um, No, no, that was good. What was I going to say? Yeah, I feel like we're going to see something this year that we saw last year. So Romeo Langford obviously went 14, so did Neesmith this year. 
Grant Williams went 22nd, something like that. I don't, I don't remember exactly. Peyton Pritchard went 27th. And mm-hmm. that's almost an identical comparison in terms of like experience. Because, right, Neesmith uh, was a sophomore at uh, Vanderbilt. Romeo Langford was a freshman, so that's a one-year gap. But Grant Williams was a – was he a senior? Was he, he a, was a junior, junior, I think, based he, on what it's Okay, a junior. Peyton Pritchard was a four-year guy at Oregon. Mm. He was the – I don't know the conference. I don't know college that well. But the player of the year in his conference, he was an absolute beast at Oregon. He was in a walking bucket for them for four years, and he improved every year. I think what we saw with Grant last year is what we're going to see with Peyton Pritchard this year. He's going to be the fan favorite guy that plays his role super well that all the fans love and Brad trusts immediately. And so I think we're going to see a similar thing that we saw with Grant Williams with Peyton Pritchard. And unfortunately, I think we might see a similar thing that we saw with Romeo Lankford with Aaron Neesmith. Although I'll say Neesmith probably will get more run because I don't, barring anything bad, I don't want to jinx it, but I don't think he'll be as injury prone as Romeo uh, was because Romeo came in injured and it's just stuck. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I mean, I, I understand where people are coming from, right? Because you, you look at his shooting ability and you think the Celtics need that. And I desperately wanted the Celtics to get a shooter. This is a type of player that I've wanted the Celtics to have for a while. When I look at just a pure sniper off the bench, they haven't had that since like Eddie House, James Posey days. You know, they haven't had a guy like this. So I want Neesmith to be that guy. I just, I, and I'm hoping he can. Like, if it was up to me, honestly, if I was the coach of the Celtics right now, I'd be like, you know what? Screw it. Just throw Neesmith in there and start him because I want him to get those up. I, I want him to be that kind of player for him. I think he can be the perfect complementary kind of piece. I just don't think Brad Stevens thinks that way. No, yeah. Brad's just, he's just not a, a guy who loves to play rookies unless they're like the Grant Williams or Peyton Pritchards of the world. And that's how it is. I think when Neesmith might be different, though, because. What we saw in the preseason, Neesmith hustled. Like, that dude was going for every offensive rebound. He was, you know, shooting it. There was no hesitation. Like, he, he missed the shot sometimes, fine. But the ones he made and the ones he took, there was absolutely zero hesitation. He looks like he's ready for the league. Um, I heard somewhere he came into camp a little bit out of shape, so maybe that's why we didn't see him as much in the first game. But um, I'd expect him to get more minutes than Romeo did last year, although I did make that comparison. I, I just think it'll take a month or two for him to, you know, get consistent minutes in that rotation. But I, I've been saying this since they lost Gordon Hayward. The Celtics don't really have any wing depth, especially with Romeo out. And even when he's back, that's like a questionable at best because we don't really know what he is. And so I think that's why we saw Brad Stevens start Javante Green because I think there's some trust there. And Brad Stevens' rotations are all about trust. If you trust you, you get the minutes. And that's what Javante is at this point. It's just a guy Brad Stevens can trust because he knows what he's getting. Yeah, I tried to look this up by total minutes now because he, uh, your, your little minute thing uh, motivated me. But, uh, you know, if you, if you actually look at this, like, minutes per game breakdown, you're right. The, the only Celtic Brad Stevens has ever played over 20 minutes a game, there's only two that have played over, which was Marcus Smart, of course, when they were tanking, and Jason Tatum. And that was it. And the other ones that, that barely make the list are Kelly Olenek, 20 minutes a game, again, they were tanking that year. I guess they weren't technically tanking when Smart was a rookie because they made that eight seed run, but they, they weren't a great team at that point or even a good team. They barely made the eight seed. And they had to make a late season push for it. Jalen Brown, only 17 minutes a game. Semi Ojale, 15. And again, that's another guy who, when he came out, he was 23 years old when he came out of college. So, you know, the, the, those older guys, Brad Stevens will give some run, but there's just something about young players. He doesn't trust young players. He doesn't. And that, I mean, that might be a criticism of him. If you want to criticize him for it, I don't blame you. But there's certainly a trend in the NBA that older teams tend to win. The teams that are, you know, like in their, you know, more in their, so in their prime, the 27, 28 year old, like average age teams, 
Those are the ones that win the championships. So if Brad Stevens looks at that and says, I can't play all these young guys, they're going to make mistakes and they're going to cost us games in the, in the long run, I can't totally blame him. It's just tough when you see these guys that you spend high picks on not getting development on the floor and you wonder, are they going to be able to develop off the floor and earn those minutes eventually or is this inhibiting their growth? Like, is Romeo Langford ever going to be anything or because he was buried on the roster and had to spend some time in Maine, is he going to be a bust? Like, that's kind of, I think, the, the, the thought on every Celtics fan's mind when they see this kind of, these rotations that Brad throws out there and they get frustrated about the picks they're making and them not producing right away that immediate gratification. It's also especially tough when obviously Brad Stevens wants to play these older guys because he wants to win. The Celtics are the seventh youngest team in the league. And last year they were, I think, the least experienced team in the league. So I can't imagine that's changed much. Obviously, the addition of Teagan Thompson is going to help a lot. But it comes to a point where for the sake of depth, you have to play the young players like and that's probably what we saw with Grant Williams a little last year. Obviously, Robert Williams built the trust in the bubble a little bit when he played well. But that's the one thing I would tend to disagree with Brad Stevens on. Because, like, at least give him a chance, right? Because he's not he's not even giving them the real chance to play. And I think Neesmith could be that sharpshooter and be ready. I heard um, from Celtics fan, actually, on the locker room app, that Chris Middleton's his coach. So that bodes well for the Celtics, because that dude kills us every time. Um, but... I don't know. I, I just think Neesmith deserves some run. I think Pritchard's already established some of that trust, even though Brad Stevens refuses to pay anybody compliments ever. So it, it, it's just, it, it's going to be interesting to see because the average age of the Celtics, I have it up right now, is 25 years old. So, and without Kemba, that gets even younger because he's one of the older guys on the team. So it, it's going to be all a matter of what Brad Stevens is willing to do and who he's willing to play. Yeah, all right. Let, let's jump into the first 10 games of the season real quick because I, I want to take a look at that because their first 10 games are kind of tough. I mean, you know, there's there are some easy ones in there, supposedly, but they start with Milwaukee and Brooklyn, which immediately, to me, worries me, because that could immediately be two losses right off the bat. Then they jump to a back-to-back, both against Indiana. I could see that being a split. Memphis is always a dangerous team with John and everything. Like, that, that's a dangerous team. I think they should beat that. Then they have a, a, two more against Detroit. That should be an easy one. But then they go Toronto Miami, both at Toronto, at Miami, which I guess is actually at Tampa, uh, so the Florida run, and then they play Washington, which who knows how Washington's going to look, but that is going to be tough with Westbrook and Beal. So I look at that, it's hard for me to think they can go any better in, uh, than 6-4 and four during that stretch. I see them really at best, I honestly think it could be 1-3, and three, but at best through those first four, I see 2-2, two and two. then I mean, they should probably be at least... Five and two coming out of that Memphis Detroit stretch, but Toronto Miami Washington that's tough. Like altogether, I, I really think you're looking at kind of a six and four kind of start with to the season. And without Kemba, it's just it's going to be tough to find that offense. Like we, we talked about, you not now you're not only losing Gordon's you know 17 points per game, but you're losing Kemba's 20. Where does that come from? You're going to be asking a lot of Jeff Teague. You're going to be asking Marcus Smart to do a little bit more. And Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, you're expecting pretty much both of them to average, you know, combined about 55 points. Like, that's that's a tall task. Like, I mean, 55 might be a little high, maybe looking more so around 50 or, you know, 52. But it's, it's going to be tough for them to score early on in the season. And if they're not connected and playing defense, then 
they, they're going to have trouble winning games early on. Yeah, it, I would argue, I haven't seen, obviously, I haven't looked at anybody else's schedule really, but this, this schedule looks insanely hard to start. Obviously, the Brooklyn, uh, Milwaukee, those two first games are going to be hard. Indiana, depending on <laughs> how bad the turmoil is there with Old Depot and Turner, because I think that's going to be a mess. I think I agree that could be a split. Um, Memphis is going to be dirty this year, I think, with John Morant. I think the Detroit game shouldn't be too bad. And then Toronto and Miami, um, I think that could be a 1-1 split, depending on how well those teams are playing, too. But one thing to note is that during this um, preseason, obviously, everyone's panicking about, which I I agree probably is a little overblown. Carson Edwards played 15 a game. Termont Waters played 12 a game. Taco Fall played 10 a game. Shemi played 16. Like, this rotation is going to get cut down. Brad Stevens loves to have larger rotations, but realistically, it's going to be 10 or 11 guys, probably Tatum, Brown, Smart, Tice. Thompson will be back, so he'll take minutes away from people. Robert Williams, like, we're not going to see the Carson Edwards, Termont Waters, Taco Falls of the world. And I love Shemi Ojale, but I don't think we'll be seeing much of him either because he, he looked like a mess in the preseason. So I think for that reason, Celtics could have a better chance because Brooklyn played their starters a lot that game against the Celtics. Like, yeah, they, they still had KD and Kyrie in against, like, Carson Edwards and Tremont Waters and Peyton Pritchard, who were all on the floor at the same time, which was atrocious. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't see... I, I think the Celtics-Brooklyn game will be closer on the 25th... Oh, Christmas. On Christmas than it will be yeah. uh, in the preseason. So I, I feel like the Celtics at the cap, I, I could see 7-3. and three. I think Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and one of the Miami or Toronto could be a loss, but I could see them sweeping Indiana and Detroit... Um, and I could, I could, like, realistically, they could start off hot. Tatum cuts his hair, ideally. Um, <laughs> yeah. Beat Milwaukee, Brooklyn, open up the gates hot. But I think seven and three or six and four is probably more realistic. Yeah. I mean, I had the same reaction to you did to that game. Well, Kyrie and, and Durant played a lot, right? But I actually just looked at it. It might surprise you because they only played combined three more minutes in the game than Tatum and Brown. Well, shit. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I thought I, I think they played deeper in the game. Maybe their rest was split up differently because they were playing like deep into the third quarter, and it seemed like yeah. like Tatum and Brown were pretty much done for the night. But yeah, they only they, I mean Tatum and Brown both played twenty six, and Kyrie and Durant played twenty seven or twenty eight. So you know, I mean there there were certainly some things to be concerned about, but I generally agree with you. A lot of the guys that you saw on the court just aren't going to be on the court, and and Tatum and Brown are going to play better. I want to ask you this because. Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice obviously has been a topic of debate. I think the consensus everybody has pretty much come to is Tristan Thompson start eventually at least. Some people think, you know, okay, Tice has earned it. You can start right away. But eventually Thompson takes on that role. I want to know, what do you think Brad Stevens' mindset is? Because Stevens really likes Tice. He likes his bigs to be able to shoot a little bit, which obviously Tice can do, again, a little bit. He can kind of stretch the floor out. And I think he likes Tice's versatility more so than he's going to like Thompson's kind of play style. So I think Thompson would be better out there, which should should start over Tice. I think, again, when we talk about Brad's philosophy when it comes to coaching, he might lean Tice not just in the short term, but in the long term as well. Yeah, I think just the way Brad Stevens coaches, Tice is going to start to start. But fun fact, I, I knew this from earlier, so I double-checked myself. Tristan Thompson shot 23 threes yeah. last season and shot 30, 39%. I know. So I know. I feel like he's going to end up shooting more threes this season as 
scary as that sounds. No, I just, I, I, I get that. I just, Tristan Thompson's not a good free throw shooter. In fact, he's one of the worst free throw oh, no. shooters in the league. That wasn't me vouching for it. I think mm-hmm. it's a terrible. No, <laughs> See, I, I just, think that's what's I mean, end up I understand the excitement of like, he shot pretty good last year. And if he continues to improve and he shoots more volume, he could be a pretty good three point shooter. I understand the excitement there. His free throw shooting has been so bad throughout his career. Yeah. He's one of the worst free throw shooters in the league, in fact. That I yeah. just, especially with the small sample size, I don't buy Tristan Thompson turning into a shooter. I would sell hard on that. I just, I understand why people are optimistic about it, but that there is uh, more reason to be pessimistic. No, yeah. I-, I was more saying I think they'll make him start shooting more. I think that 39, people see that 39% and get excited. He like, But real, realistically, he's not going to be a good three-point shooter if he shoots I mean, it with volume. He had, he had one game, if you remember, people went crazy. The Cavs bench went crazy. He had one game where he went three for three. And, yeah. then, and then the rest of the season, I'm trying to look at this right. The rest of the season, he hit six. Six yeah, in, no. in, in, the, in the other, how many games? 56 six games. Six for 20. Six yeah. for 20 in the other In, in the other 56 games. games. So... Uh, that's 30 and one of those threes was like a weird half court heave i remember like seeing the clip of he did like a a spin move through the legs at half court because he thought the shot clock was ending and he chucked mm-hmm. it up like an idiot and it went in yeah i just people shouldn't have uh too much faith in that i feel like a lot of people think thompson's a lot bigger than tice too and maybe his frame is but he's only an inch mm-hmm. taller like Ty- thompson's six nine yeah. which is still pretty short for a center I and he might even be six eight. Yeah. Like he's he might be one of those guys that lies about his exactly. side a little bit. And I, I would tend to argue that Tice will start. I think Tice might be the better player at this point, debatedly. Um, I, I don't know. That's just my take because obviously Thompson's stats look great on paper, but he's playing with the shit team. Like <laughs> the Cavs were not a good basketball team last year. No, but even when the Cavs were good, like Tristan Thompson, and this is the big thing about Tristan Thompson that people are gonna love because people always love to complain about this. He has like the eighth, and I, I'm sure you saw I tweeted this like a couple mm-hmm. times. He has the eighth highest offensive rebound percentage of all time, and the second among active players. So this dude, like, he is really, really good at rebounding the basketball, even at his size. He's like, and I, I, he's Dennis Rodman light, and I say that that might sound like high praise. Dennis Rodman, of course, I mean, he's he's about only seven spots behind Dennis Rodman on that list. And when you look at the height comparison, it's not too far off either. Like the fact that he's able to rebound the way he is with his height and honestly his relative lack of athleticism. Does Tristan Thompson mm-hmm. uh, has he ever struck you as a guy that jumps out of the gym? Yeah. Absolutely not. So the fact that he's able to rebound at the rate he does with his height and his athleticism is remarkable. I mean. Basketball Reference has his projected stats being 15 and 12, and I think that's a little bit ridiculous. Mm. But I see him at least to start splitting the minutes with Tice, like 24 and 24, kind of like what happened with Cantor at the start of the year. But Thompson, I would argue, is much better than Cantor, mm. um, especially defensively. I don't think Thompson's like an amazing defender by any means, but anything's better than that is Cantor. Yeah. So I, I feel like by the midseason, Sam and I talk this, about this all the time, I feel like Tice could get traded. Because his contract's up at the end of this year. His value's going to go like way up, skyrocket. Got the trade exception. Thompson could come in and be the starter that they need. Robert Williams could develop. Tice is going to be on the market. And I think Danny Ainge, the smart thing to do would be to deal Tice while you have him still and get something for him. Because I don't think the Celtics can afford to bring back Tice in the offseason because I think they'll be a high asking price. So let's talk about the trade exception for a second here. Because I don't know if mm-hmm. I've run this by you, but there is a guy who I have now 
committed to that I want to use the trade exception on. I want this guy, <laughs> okay. and it's it's uh, staunch. I, this is the only person I want with the trade exception. All right. I want Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon, okay. I like it. That's who I want them to bring in with it. I think he fits in the best uh, for what they need, for you know the salary-wise and everything like that. It's just if you bring him in and he slides into that other wing role where you had Javante Green <laughs> in the preseason, and again, I don't know if that's the side of things to come, but I'm just saying, uh, if you slide him into that role next to Tatum and Brown, I think he is perfect for what Brad Stevens likes to do. Positionless basketball, all this stuff. With Brown, Tatum, and Gordon on the wing, I think that I just think that group works, and I really want to see that. I, I I don't know how you'd get it done. I think you would have to. It would it would again. It would, it's, he's a guy that isn't so good that he'd, he he he's unattainable, but he would still cost you a lot. Like I think you're talking about a pick or two and Romeo and Grant Ooh. and probably Tice. You just throw him in there. Like yeah, I think honestly. I don't know if you agree with me. I think that's what it would cost to get Aaron Gordon, and I think I would just do it. I think I'd be fine doing that, honestly. I, I mean, Romeo, I, I'm really low on at this point. Grant, I like, but I don't think he's ever going to be as good as Aaron Gordon. And the picks, you know, kind of smell you later on that. And, and Tice, I, you know, maybe they, they can have Robert Williams instead if they want. They're kind of stacked at center anyway, so who knows how that's going to shake out. But Aaron Gordon is definitely the guy I want them to target with that trade exception, I think he fits into the team perfectly. I really like Aaron Gordon too. I think the Magic are more willing to give him up than most people think because mm. despite the fact that he's been hurt for three years in a row or something, it seems like Jonathan Isaac is a beast and realistically they play the same position. I think Isaac yeah. is more of a power forward than a small forward. Um, and I, I think in the past, Aaron Gordon has been on that chopping block a little bit in Orlando. Um, I'm firing up the trade finder to see how this would work right now, but... Um, well, he fits right into the trade exception, so you don't really yeah. need to worry about matching salaries or anything like that. You just need to I worry think, about matching talent. I think all it would take, realistically, that trade exception, I don't know. Like, it depends. What would the Magic want, though? Yeah, is the I mean, I think, I think you would start with Romeo, and then you would go from there. I think yeah. if they would they would ask for Romeo, and I, I just feel like you'd need to also throw in Grant to get it done. I, I I know that you, obviously you have a Grant buys you really love Grant. I love Grant too. He's a fun guy, but I still think you make that trade because the reason I like Aaron Gordon so much is he's just he's a guy that doesn't need the ball, can still you know score at, at a decent enough level. His rebounding is actually pretty decent for you know for what, where you, what the type of player you would think he is. It's not great, but it, for a four, I mean seven, you know almost eight rebounds a game. That's good enough, and like I, I just think. That type of player is, he can shoot at least a little bit. Like, he, he, he can fill that role for the Celtics of, like, the perfect fourth guy. And I think that a lot of people you've heard in recent years say, I'd love to see what Aaron Gordon could be as a fourth guy on a winning team. Like, I want to see him in that situation because everybody thinks he could be really good. You hear people, like, I'm sure you've heard Zach Lowe and other people sing mm -hmm. Aaron Gordon's praises and be like, if he just embraced being, like, the Draymond Green type of player... He would be great, and I think maybe a better comparison form would be like a Sean Marion type of player. Like, yeah. if he can be that for the Celtics, that could be the missing piece. It really could. No, yeah, and he fits in. Like, you hear the whole thing with timelines and stuff. He's only twenty five years old. He's got room to grow. He last year averaged what fourteen and a half, seven point seven, three point seven. The only concern I'd have is he doesn't shoot the ball great, and the Celtics one through four usually shoot the ball decently well outside of Marcus Smart, but that's feel like different and so 
the only thing I would maybe prioritize with that trade exception is a little bit more shooting, a little more depth. I feel like if you could get a two for one in that trade exception, I feel like I would consider that more useful than Aaron Gordon. Although if we're targeting like a singular player, I think Aaron Gordon's probably near the top of the list for me as well. His middle sa- his middle name is Addison yeah. though, so maybe not. I just read that. <laughs> what is that? Um, but no, yeah. Acquiring Addison Ray. Uh, yeah. No, but Celtics <laughs> fan in the chat also brought up a good point that it, I think that about Bam Adebayo, and I do agree that Tristan Thompson's better uh, for the Celtics, especially yeah. in a matchup with Bam. Like I think there's actual hope there that he can do a better job of guarding Bam. He's certainly better defensively than Tice's, although I don't think Tice's as bad as people make him out to be. Oh, yeah. Certainly he's had some, you know, foul trouble and everything like that. And we talked about the, the war on Tice, we laughed about that. But yeah, but um, but certainly for those type of matchups, I understand why they got Thompson. I just, I worry about what Brad Stevens is going to do there. Um, but I think we've pretty much covered our bases on the Celtics. Is there anything else you really think we need to get into regarding the, the season preview? We talked a lot about Kemba and how the season rides on him. I really think that this season, I mean, there's a big pendulum swing. If Kemba is healthy and he plays at an all-star level, they could be, I think, the second seed in the East. If he's not, they might fall the fifth or sixth. Like, and and I, I know that's, I, I, I would even push back against that originally, like, upon hearing that when I heard that take from other people. But really, if if Kemba isn't out there for most of the season, that's a real danger because then you're you're not just losing one star and hey you're you're losing two and that is a lot to make up for it would be really tough to win games so they desperately desperately need Kemba this year and if he's not there I really think fifth or sixth that's what they could be in danger of I think a lot of it depends on Brown's leap of faith or whatever you want to call it his jump Um, I feel like if Brown can average like 23 a night which I think he's capable of the Celtics will be just fine even without Kemba Uh, but yeah, I don't think there's anything else uh, on the Celtics I wanted to say. I will say, though, Grant Williams, if he gets traded, I will riot. I will be pissed. Um, please, dear God, don't trade Grant Williams. And then also, Celtics Facebook might be the worst thing I've seen in my life because they said the the cap of the Celtics team is a 7 or 8 seed and that Taco Fall should be the starting center. So, yeah, not a fan of Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Facebook's an interesting place. It's good for uh, to get some article views, but not not doesn't doesn't, doesn't provide you with the best takes. Um, I want to get to <laughs> a few general NBA notes before we wrap up here. I don't mm. want to take too long on this, but there's a few things I want to touch on uh, across the league. I think I want to start just with the Wizards. What do you make of the Wizards? What do you think of the Wizards? Because I. I'm interested to see how Westbrook and Beal work out. And I think, I mean, somebody brought this up. They just have, they, they're affording Westbrook so much spacing there, more spacing than he's ever had in his career. Really, I guess, maybe with the exception, you could say, of that Houston team last year when they traded Clint Capella. But even then, like, having Bertans and Beal, he's outside of, like, Kevin Durant, I guess, he's never played with two shooters on that level. Like, those two guys are two of the best in the league. And having that kind of slasher guy with those two, that's really interesting to me. Who knows what this rookie they, they drafted, everybody's very high on. I, I can't even pronounce his name. but Denny. Denny of Dia. Yeah, yeah. yeah beast. And obviously, they have Rui Hiroshima, who I don't know if you saw today, has pink eye. Um, apparently, some rare form of pink eye. Did you see this? Um, I don't know what he was no, doing. No, I didn't. That's, but, that's uh, wild. Yeah, he has like a rare form of pink eye. I'm not quite sure. But uh, either way, I mean, with Thomas Bryant, too, I'm... I'm kind of excited to watch the Wizards. I think that they could be a fun drive and kick team to watch. Yeah, the only thing that concerns me with the Wizards is their defense. 
Um, I'm pretty sure they were like the worst defense in the league last year. Like they were putting up 150 points and giving up 140 or giving up 160, like that type of thing. Um, I have them marked as like a, uh, I was actually writing about this for the Hornets. I was writing about how there's like a group of six teams fighting for that seven through 10 spot in the play in. And I have the wizards kind of grouped in there. Cause I see, what is it? I see like Sixers, Bucks, Celtics, Raptors, Heat, Nets as the top six, like clearly. And then the six after that is like the the Wizards, Hawks, Bulls, Hornets, Magic, Pacers, and then the Cavs, um, Knicks, and Pistons are the bottom three. So I, I kind of have the Wizards grouped in at like the top end of that tier of six. So it's just a matter of if Beal and Westbrook can work out, which I think they will. So I have the Wizards ending up as the 7 or 8 seed at the end of the year and being in that play-in. I want the Hawks to be really good. I really do. I like Trey Young. He retweeted an article I wrote about him one time. I, Trey Young's my guy. I just I, I don't know how much more he can really do. He did so much last season offensively that I, I, his defensive limitations are pretty evident. That I, I mean, they did make some some good acquisitions this offseason. I, I struggled to see how they're going to get better enough to, to make that play a push. I, I want the Hawks to be really good. I just, I don't know if it's in the cards for them. I think that it's, it's they, they all the moves they made were really to get better offensively, and that's not really where they needed to get better. Like, you bring in Gallinari, you bring in Bogdanovich, it's like, great, sure, you're going to score even more points. You still can't defend anybody. Like, uh, that's, that's my concern with the Hawks. I think they're a fun team. I think they should be fun to watch. It's just, I... I don't think they're ever going to stop anybody, and I think that it could ultimately be their downfall and why they don't make the playoffs. Because I thought last year they were going to comp- be competing for that 9-8 seed, and then they were just terrible. And I, I find it hard to believe they're going to make that jump to-, to contention this year just because, I don't know, there- there's something about the nature of the way they're building their team that scares me. I just, I don't, th- I don't see how they're going to make the necessary improvement defensively to be a, a, a legitimate playoff team, even in the East. See, I would tend to disagree with that a little bit. I think the Hawks are depending on internal development for that defense because DeAndre Hunter, I think, could be an elite defender. I think he's going to be that wing guy. They brought in Chris Dunn, who is one of the best on-ball yeah, defenders in the league. Yeah, I was just going to say. Um, Rock. He was really good. Yeah. He, 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 he should have... Did he make all defense last year? I don't, I don't he, think I know so. he, got, he got some serious consideration. For uh, I can Google it, but I'm pretty sure he didn't. I think he was top two in the league in uh, steals, though. I believe um, yeah, behind he, I remember hearing on I remember hearing on Zach Lowe's podcast when they were doing the the picks for all defense. Yeah, he got snubbed. That he, that he they loved Chris Dunn. Yeah, he, he missed it by... He was like the next man up. He was the the last one, first one cut. I don't know how to word it, but yeah, he was the next up. Out of the guard the next group, up. Yeah, him yeah. and Lowry, but he didn't make it. Beverly and Bledsoe made it over him, which I mean, fair enough. I think maybe Don deserved it over Bledsoe a little bit, but it, it is what it is at that point. Yeah. I think outside of that, Capella didn't play last year, so he's going to give them more def- defense at the rim. So I mean, just just – just for reference, they were the worst defense in the league last year by points <laughs> points allowed per game. The worst, yeah. they, the worst, worse, mind you, than the Wizards, yeah. who gave up one fifty five to the the uh, Rockets. I think was this game last year or last year or, or last year. Or the I year know the game you're talking about. It went to like overtime, the Hawks Bulls. Hawks Bulls. That game where the Hawks gave up like 
160 to the Bulls or something. Do you remember this? I uh, vaguely, yeah. I remember the one with the Riz- Wizards and Rockets too. That was ugly. Yeah, the Wizard, the the Hawks Bulls one though. Like when you give you're, when you're giving up 160 to the Bulls, it's like you need to reevaluate <laughs> your life. That's that's a lot. That's sad. I think it was it's like not, not it was it was four overtimes, but even still, 329 total points, the third highest ever in a single game. That. <laughs> It's yeah, tough. that's that's rough. You gave up 168 points to Zach Levine and the Bulls. Even in regulation, let me see if I can do quick math here in regulation. Chicago, mm-hmm. 29, 36, 44. They gave up 124 in regulation to Chicago. <laughs> which yeah. Chicago was the same kind of team. High-powered offense, terrible defense, but geez, 168 total. That is, that is rough. Zach Levine had 47. Okay, this is where... I, I'm about to say a number. This is where you really have to reevaluate your life. Otto Porter had 31. <laughs> when you're giving up 31 to Otto Porter, I feel like you have to just kind of. I mean, there should be yeah, some kind of there should be some kind of very large penalty, like a fine or something, for any team that gives up 31 to Otto Porter. That is. And for for reference, the Bulls were the fourth worst scoring team in the NBA last season. Wow. They they averaged 106 points. Was this game. game last year? Hold on, let me double check this. I didn't even look at that. This was Mar- no, this was March 2019. So this was two years ago. Regardless, the Bulls were still the fourth worst scoring team, scoring 105 a game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So yeah, no, that's that's terrible. That's absolutely god awful. If the Hawks want to be a legitimate playoff contender, Trey Young is going to have to improve on offense because he he very well could be the worst on ball defender in the NBA. Improve on on defense. Defense, yeah, defense. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how that happens. Maybe Chris Dunn can give him some pointers, but um, I still think they're a year or two away from being a legitimate playoff team. Yeah, I I agree with you. I I and again, I like those guys. It's just it's tough for too. me to to find out where where they're gonna you know. Do, make the improvements they need to make. And and uh, Gallinari, like, they made talent improvements. It's just, I mean, and I suppose there is room to improve on offense. Trey Young didn't have a lot of help. You know, John Collins, I think he was injured uh, yeah. a lot in season two, and they were kind of middle of the pack in offense. I guess a little higher than middle of the pack. Well, no, pretty much middle of the pack when you look at the whole league. A little higher end in the East. But um, either way, like, uh, maybe they can make that jump. Even if they do, like, if you're not, if you're still giving up 119 a game, you can forget it. I mean, that's... That's no, yeah. way too much. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any other teams I want to talk about. I think let's let's talk about one more in the East. Everybody in the mm-hmm. West. I mean, I'm kind of interested by the Timberwolves and what they're going to be this year. I'm intrigued just, by James Harden too. Yeah. What's going on there? Just because they have um, Russell and Towns, like that's that's a decent mm-hmm. kind of group. And and then um, Edwards. Yeah, Anthony Edwards. Like, can that team really be that good? I don't know. I mean, because it's really now or never for those guys. That, you know, Carl Anthony. Yeah. The clock is ticking, guys. Uh, mm-hmm. He's going to be leaving some sometime soon. I wonder if, just on that note, uh, obviously Devin Booker really likes Towns. I wonder if it ever gets to a point where the Timberwolves are just like, look, if you give us DeAndre Ayton, you can have him because he's going to leave soon and, and we'll take DeAndre well, for... D-Book's boys with Russell and Towns. Like, they're, like, mm. best friends. They were on a slam cover together. Yeah. They, like, told their whole story. But so. I feel like the Suns are in a better position right now and it would be yeah, tough 100%. for... It would be tough for Booker to... To want to go to the Wolves, I don't know. I, I guess it's still possible, but yeah. One of their teams would have to monumentally collapse, and I think the closer team to collapsing is the Wolves. I Maybe they should just combine like the Sun Kings, but just become the like the Timberwolves Sun or the Sun. <laughs> the Timber Sun. Sun Wolves. I like the, the Sun, sun wolves. wolves. Sounds good. That's actually pretty good. The Sun Wolves. 
That's just combine Chris Paul, Devin Booker, D'Angelo Russell, Kern Anthony Towns. That team would be That's great. That's a good team. That's Still a wouldn't good win team. a championship if that was the set. Well, well, probably not, but uh, but that that is excellent. They'd be terrible on defense. They really awful. would. They'd be god-awful. You're talking about Timberwolves. are about to be the worst defensive team in the league this year. I'm calling it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, if, but if there is, I mean, again, the Suns interest me too. I'm going to skip all this up. There's, there's one team I'm going to talk about, and they're not going to talk about enough, so let's give them some love. The Knicks. Oh, man. So the Knicks, <laughs> this is what I want to say about the Knicks. You remember all those two-year deals they signed after they missed out on Kevin Durant and Kyrie yes, Irving? They signed like every single power forward in the league to a two-year mm-hmm. deal. Todd Gibson, Bobby Portis, uh, you know, Marcus Morris have traded a lot of those guys yeah. since. But Wayne Ellington, Reggie Bullock, a contract, yeah. all these people. And they did that with their sights on this year's, this coming year's free agency. They said, we're going to give all these guys two-year deals, and we're going to go out in this free agency class, this star-studded free agency class, and now this, this is where we're really going to make our moves in free agency. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for the Knicks, uh, it seems as though everybody is signing an extension, <laughs> which... Something we didn't expect to see in the NBA anymore. I really didn't. I thought the years of, of ex- extensions like this were over. But suddenly, LeBron's off the market. Paul George is off the market. Giannis is off the market. And even Rudy Gobert's off the market. I'm tell- when I tell you Andre Drummond is a top 10 free agent next offseason, I don't like Andre Drummond. <laughs> he still makes that list because it's just so depleted. Like... Honestly, Mike Connolly, even current day Mike Connolly, is probably top fifteen. Jesus, that's terrible. That is how that that's how bad it gets. I, I mean, I feel like the extension thing is is back because players realize that they can just request to be wherever the hell they want to go at this point. Like, I guess. I, I, do you know? Do you want to take a guess right now? Yeah. Who do you think the best free agent is next offseason? I don't even know what the class looks like. I. Uh, I genuinely don't even know what the free agency class is going to look like. This is who year. you have to choose from. Ready? This is who, who right. you have to choose from. And I'm taking out, I'm taking out the player yeah, options. Yeah. I'll take out the player options. Because Blake Griffin's going to opt in. Kawhi Leonard is probably going to sign an extension. I'm taking him out. Yeah, he's a player I option. Assume. Chris Paul is going to opt into $40 million. Like that, he's Oh, yeah. The only question is Drew Holiday, but it even sounds like he's going to sign an extension now. Okay? So I'll give you a few multiple choice options of who you can okay. pick. This is the best free agent in next year's class. Absolute cream of the crop. Best number one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mike Connolly, <laughs> Kyle Lowry, Demar Derozan, Andre Drummond, Lamarcus Aldridge, and Victor Oladipo. That's who you get to pick from. <laughs> Um, I think Kyle Lowry's underrated, but I also think he's going to sign back for an extension in Toronto, if I had to guess. Mm. Um, I think it's between DeMar DeRozan and Victor Oladipo, and if it were me, I'd choose DeMar DeRozan over Victor Oladipo, which I guess is a hot take at this point. If it were me, I'd choose the bullet. I really would. I would, uh, <laughs> that's, if you made me choose between Victor Oladipo and DeMar DeRozan, oh, man. I would jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. That's what I would do. Um... <laughs> I mean, and that's what you're looking at. This is why I want to bring up the Knicks. Is like, are the Knicks going to bring in two of these players? No, just I hope not. Just out of desperation, are they going to say, you know what, Lamarcus Aldridge and Demar Derozan, it didn't work on the Spurs, but come to New York <laughs> and we'll make it. We'll figure it out. And like, I feel, I feel like we're trending towards the Knicks. Like they kind of, ha- they're going to have all this cap space. 
What what else are you gonna do? You you are you gonna put it off again and then wait for twenty twenty two and then not sign anybody then? Like, I mean, I think I think they make a run at a guy like John Collins, who the Hawks have like they have Gallinari. I I feel like there's this lingering thought that John Collins and the Hawks isn't gonna work out. I feel like the Knicks are gonna end up throwing bags at like all these free agents from that class who haven't necessarily got extensions yet. Like Michael Porter Jr., they'll throw a max offer sheet at. They'll throw one at John Collins. They'll throw one at um, who else is there? I don't know. But they have the young core. I, I feel like there's definitely promise in New York. Like they do you know they don't start Mitchell Robinson? Let me know one reason why they're not starting Mitchell Robinson. Like they don't start him. He just comes off the bench, which is baffling to me. They have RJ Barrett, who I think still could be really good. Obi Toppin's a baller on the offensive end at the very least. Um I've lost faith in Frank Nidalekina. I've lost faith in Kevin Knox. I think they're both lost causes. But other than that, I feel like the Knicks aren't that bad. I like the signings they made this offseason for defense, Nerland Noel and Austin Rivers. They just have to be smart about the way they go about their offseasons. I saw a good tweet today that said, or yesterday, that said, Nerland Noel needs Gordon Hayward or Terry Rozier's agent. And I thought that was good. <laughs> um, Very true, because I although, think Nerland Noel is underrated. He's an amazing defender. Yeah. Well, I know the Celtics fans have wanted him for a long time, and it seems like that, that white whale is never coming to... Uh, to uh, but I think that's pretty much going to do it. We wanted to touch on a few other NBA-related things, just that, that, that interested me. Not do a full kind of NBA preview, but mostly focus on the Celtics. But, Jack, thank you for joining us uh, to do this recording. Definitely appreciate it. And, and doing it on the Locker Room app, the first time recording my podcast on the Locker Room app, don't know if I'm going to continue it, but may, perhaps I will. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. I'll, I'll talk to Howard, mm-hmm. and we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. It was a great time. I always love talking basketball. Appreciate it. All right, guys. You can follow Jack on Twitter at Jack Simone NBA. You can follow Sam on Twitter. Just kidding. No shout outs for Sam. Screw <laughs> you, Sam. Uh, you're not, no, I'm kidding. Um, follow Sam on Twitter, but uh, you're going to have to find it yourself. I'm not giving his ad out. Um, follow Bannertown. Go check out Bannertown on Twitter at Bannertown USA. Follow Guy Boston Sports on Twitter at Guy Boston Sports. Check out everything over there. All kinds of stuff coming out in preparation for the NBA season. And thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week.